Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. I want to talk to you about refuge today. The Lord's word to us is about refuge. Those cushy chairs are nice, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I sat for just a little bit this morning and they are nice. All right. We'll pick up in verse 9. This uh, chapter is about uh, maturity, growing up in the Lord, an exhortation to maturity. But we're looking at it on the theme of refuge from verse 18. But let me read. Beloved, we are persuaded. We are confident. Better things of you, things that accompany salvation through, the, through thus we speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end that you be not slothful. Don't be spiritually lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises the promises, the truth of God's word. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by anybody greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently, Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God desiring more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability, that's that word from last week, unchangeableness of his, God's counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, God's promise and his oath, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. What kind of consolation? Strong. strong. Not a weak one. Not a wishy-washy one. But a strong consolation. Hmm, that's good. Who hath fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And which entered into that within the veil, talking about Jesus, where the forerunner is for us, entered even Jesus, made a high priest forever after that heavenly order, a priest of Melchizedek. And the Lord had his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Well, God has been faithful and he's called us into this place one more time. We are a remnant people. He's called us to be uh, the, the people of refuge. And our purpose as his church is to proclaim the passion and the power of the gospel. The passion of the gospel is the crucifixion. The power of the gospel is the resurrection. But also to provide sanctuary. Sanctuary is sacred, set apart place, and refuge for the saints. Amen? Amen? Provide refuge for the saints. What is refuge? Shelter <coughs> or protection from danger or trouble. Is any danger or trouble out there? Yes. <laughs> is there a devil loose? Yes. Is, is the devil after us to steal, kill, and destroy? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. 
Is, is the headwinds blowing out there against the people of God? Absolutely. So we need a place of protection and shelter from danger and trouble. A place of shelter, protection, or safety. Anything to which one has recourse for aid, relief, or escape. I don't know about you, but I look forward to coming to the refuge. I look forward to coming and getting away from the world. In the spiritual heaviness of the world. And all the stuff of the world. Because when we come here, our focus is about spiritual things. Amen. Amen. Listen. Where do you find refuge? Or find refuge from emotional and mental exhaustion? Right here. Do you get exhausted? I get exhausted sometimes emotionally and mentally just watching the news. So I don't watch the news a whole lot. There's hardly anything good on the news. It is terrible stuff. Terrible stuff. And you can get so frustrated and so upset, and I know some of you do too, when you watch the news, you get emotionally and mentally exhausted. Where do we find refuge from relentless temptations of a godless society? They're just after us all the time. After us all the time. Where do we find refuge from medical issues that are all-consuming? Where do we find refuge from the busyness of this life that sometimes just wants to pull us apart? You know, a lot of people got so pulled apart during the pandemic that they've not gotten back together yet. They've been pulled apart from the people of God. They've been pulled apart from their faith and they have not made their way back yet. Where do we find refuge from the numerous losses that seem unbearable at times? God wants you this morning to know, without a shadow of a doubt, where you can find refuge. Amen. 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 We need to be able to find a place of shelter, a place of Amen. refuge from the spiritual battle and the spiritual storm that rages. The people of God find refuge in God's promises. Where do we find it? In God's promises. In verse 12 it says, Don't be spiritually lazy. But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abram, because he could not swear by anybody greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after Abraham had patiently endured, he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. I don't know if you remember the promise that God made Abraham, but it was a big one in Genesis chapter 12. He says, I'm going to bless you with a child and you're going to become a great nation. And uh, a lot of people are going to come from you and all the peoples of the world will be blessed through your seed and your offspring. Offspring is a massive promise that God made Abraham. And what makes it so massive is, is the context. Abraham and Sarah could not have children. They didn't have any kids. Abraham was 75 years old when God made him this promise. His wife was a little bit younger. But Sarah was barren. The Bible says that her womb was dead. And God makes this promise to Abraham and Sarah, who were barren, that you are all going to have a child, and that child is going to carry forth, going to be a great nation that's going to come from you. But verse 15 says what? He patiently endured 
until he obtained the promise. He was a man of faith. Amen. He kept believing God. You know how long it took God to fulfill that promise in Abraham's life? Yes. 25 years. Do what? I thought it was one year from when he visited Sarah and told her that she would have a child. Well, she became, no, 25 years. 25 years. He's 75 years old. He was 100, and she was 90. 25 years he patiently endured until he received the promise. Now, let me tell you what he, now there's some mess ups during that time. You remember Hagar? And Ishmael, uh, that was bad. But listen to Romans, and this is how he approached it. In verse uh, 4 of chapter uh, 4 of Romans, he says, And Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that he had that what God had promised, he was able to perform. God is able to call those things that are not as though they are. And God wants us to be able to have the faith to call those things that are not as though they are. He was a man of great faith. He believed in the promise of God. And here's the thing I want you to see. The promise of God for Abraham directed his life and gave him purpose. Abraham found purpose and direction in the promise of God. And he pursued that, patiently endured until that came into being. Where do we find refuge, people? Where do the people of God find refuge? In the promises of God, in the truth of God. Amen? So I want to ask you this morning, have you found refuge in the promise of salvation? Jesus said in Mark 1.15, Repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of God is near you. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in our hearts and in our lives and in our spirits. He says, Repent, turn from your sin and yourself, place your faith and trust in what Christ has done for you, and you can be saved and born again, be regenerated, and you can experience the rule and reign of God in your heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Are you finding refuge in the fact that you are a child of God? And no matter what happens to you in this life, you're safe and secure in Jesus. You have refuge in Jesus Christ. This is a testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has the son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Honey, I've got the Son, and I've got refuge in Jesus Christ this morning. Amen? Amen. We find refuge in the promises of God, the promise of salvation. What about the promise of sanctification? If any man is in Christ, he's a what? A new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Are you experiencing the life of Christ within your mortal flesh? Are you abiding in him? Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Are you experiencing the much more fruit of Jesus Christ in your life? Honey, that is spiritual refuge. Amen? Amen. 
Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. What is that? That is refuge. Here is another one. The promise of victory. Hey, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That is refuge. That's spiritual refuge. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. That is refuge in Christ. 2 Peter 3 and 4, chapter 1, tells us that he's given us everything for life and God. What is it? That is refuge for the storm. It's for the spiritual battle. And then the promise of peace. And that's what everybody wants is to be at peace, to be at rest. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. There is everlasting peace and everlasting strength in the Lord God Jehovah. Let's get our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Yes. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything but by everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Oh, people quote that and leave that out. That's the key to the verse. Take your anxiety, take your stress, take your upset to the Lord Jesus and give it to Him and thank Him that He's got it. He's going to work it out in His time and in His way. Hallelujah. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard and garrison your mind in Jesus Christ and you'll have it for the glory of God. Yes. Peace. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is the fruit of the Spirit. What's the third aspect? Peace. The fruit of the Spirit that Jesus produces in our life when we abide and yield to Him is the fruit of the Spirit. It is love, joy. And what's the third one? Peace. peace. Supernatural and divine peace. Blessing on you in your life from the inside out. Hallelujah. Don't that just make you want to shout just a little bit? Yes, sir. <laughs> just a little bit. Yes, sir. Come on now. Listen, Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. He doesn't say work for your salvation. Amen. He says work out. Amen. Honey, you need to work out what God's worked in. All of this stuff up there on the screen, if you're saved and born again by the Spirit of God, is in you. And you've got to work it out. You've got to cooperate with Him. You've got to be disciplined and walk in obedience and abiding and yielding. And this will come out and you work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Amen? Amen. Woo! That's good. Where do we find refuge as the people of God? In the promises of God. When's the last time the Word just lit you up? As you read the Word and you read through it, when's the last time it just lit you up? Just the other day I was reading in Isaiah Chapter 4, got old Ahaz, and he's got enemies that's come against him. And I can't find my verse, but I remember. It was uh, the Syri uh, Syria, not the Syria, but the Syria, the Syria, and Ephraim had come against his kingdom. And he is all nerved up. It says they were moved as the wind moves the trees. They so upset, they so anxious. God sent a prophet to, to, to tell Ahaz, don't you worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. And he just describes how he's going to take care of it. He's going to protect him. And then this is what it says. You cannot be established if you do not believe. 
You cannot be established. You cannot experience the power and the blessing of God unless you believe. That's right. Preach it. Are you claiming the promises of God in faith and obedience this morning? Are you believing Him and experiencing His blessing in your life? Hallelujah. What are we talking about? We're talking about refuge. I'm looking at people who need refuge. You're looking at a pastor who needs refuge. My refuge is in the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. And in the promises of God. God's promises. Next, we find refuge in God's Christ. In verse 17, it reads, When God, wherein God was desirous more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by oath, that by two immutable things, unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, in verse 20, even Jesus. Amen? Amen. Notice that verse 17, heirs of promise. So Abraham's going to get blessed, and all the peoples of the world are going to be blessed through Abraham. They're going to be his heirs. Who are his heirs? Heirs of the promise. Heirs of the spiritual blessing of Abraham. Being able to be acceptable before God. Here you go. In Galatians 3.14, it says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Jesus Christ. You know who I'm looking at this morning? Amen. The Gentiles. <laughs> you and I are Gentiles, except for that brother right there, and he's a Messianic Jewish believer. That's right. We're the Gentiles. That the blessing of Abraham, the blessings of God, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Honey, as a sinner, if you repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are regenerated. you got a brand new spirit in the Lord by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You're born again. You've got a brand new life. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. And you've got a brand new position before God. You're no longer dead in trespasses and sins, but you're alive by the Spirit of God. Same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives within us to quicken our mortal flesh and make us alive in Him. Hallelujah. We're children of God. Listen, our acceptance before God is not based upon our performance. It's based upon our relationship with Jesus. Although we will perform, we will live for Him. Amen? But it's based upon our relationship with Jesus. There is a sense in which we have fled to Jesus to escape the very wrath of God upon our sins. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, He pays your sin debt and no longer is the wrath of God abiding on you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Fled to Jesus for refuge from the wrath of God. Amen. Where do we find refuge? In God's Christ. Let's talk about refuge. That word is used about 50 times in the Bible, only one time in the New Testament in the King James Bible anyway, and about 49 times in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, refuge simply means to flee. We have fled to Christ for salvation and forgiveness so that the wrath of God will not be upon us, so that we will be forgiven. In the Old Testament, 
in the book of Numbers and also in the book of uh, Joshua, we have what was called cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. And this is the word that is used there. It is the sense of taking in an asylum uh, as a receptacle, refuge. A sense of taking in. We've come to Christ and repentance and faith and He has taken us in. Amen? Amen. He has taken us in. Now watch this. The word asylum is defined as an institution for the maintenance and care of the mentally ill or persons requiring special assistance. I am not saying that you are mentally ill, but I am saying that all sinners are spiritually ill and have need of special attention and assistance and maintenance. When we come to Christ and we're saved and forgiven, He has taken us in and He will continue to minister in our life and give us spiritual maintenance if we will cooperate with Him. Amen? Amen. Boy, is that rich or what? And then the second thing there says, a refuge granted an alien by a sovereign state on its own territory. Did you know as a sinner we are aliens of heaven? That's what the Bible says. We're aliens of heaven. We're excluded from heaven. We're barred from heaven because of all of our sins. But when you flee to Jesus Christ and repent of your sins, He will take you in and you will shed that title and He will make you a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. Heaven as a sovereign place will grant you the position of being a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. Woo! Man, has Jesus done a lot for us or what? Yes. Yes. Man, I love that. Here's something else. Cities of refuge in the Old Testament. Very interesting. There were six of them. Six on the east side of the Jordan. Six of them on the west side of the Jordan. And they were strategically located into the lands where they nobody had to travel over 32 miles to get to one of them. And they kept the path clear and open to the cities of refuge. And they kept the signposts up so people could see how to get to the cities of refuge. What were the cities of refuge for? The law demanded life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Well, what if you accidentally kill somebody? Let's say you and your neighbors out in the woods and you're chopping down trees and the puff of wind comes up. And that sucker twists on the stump and goes the other way and hits your neighbor and kills him. You're going to have to give your life under the law. Life for life. So God instituted cities of refuge where somebody accidentally killed somebody. They could flee to those cities of refuge. And when they got to the city of refuge, they'd tell them what happened. And then the leaders of the city would do an investigation. And if they found out that it was an accidental death and manslaughter, you could live there free from the manslayer. You could live there free from that person's family who wanted to take your life. God made a provision to give that person refuge if it was an accident. And they also had to help you with your living, jobs, and all of that. It was a city of refuge where you could escape and find refuge in the case of manslaughter. Well, I got good news for you. Our city of refuge is more than six places. 
Our city of refuge is Jesus Christ who lives on the inside of us. And everywhere we go, we're in good shape. Now here's an interesting thing about the city of refuge. The city of refuge in the Old Testament, you had to live within the confines and the boundaries of the city. The only place you could find safety was in the city limits and in the city. If you stepped outside of the city limits and the manslayer found you, that family found you, they could take your life, life for life. Only if you stayed in the city of refuge were you saved and protected and blessed. Honey, as a Christian, Jesus is with us all the time. But I've got to tell you, you've got to stay within the boundaries of the city of Jesus and the person of Jesus Christ. You've got to walk in proper fellowship with Jesus to experience his protection, his blessing, and all of his power in your life. You've got to walk in proper fellowship with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. What are we talking about? We're talking about refuge today. Where do we find refuge? We find it in God's promises. We find it in God's Christ. And we also find it in God's anchor. Say that with me. We find it in God's anchor. Very simply, Jesus is our anchor. In verse 18, it says that by two unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. That word strong consolation there means mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement. Mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as a what? An anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth in behind the veil, even Jesus. That is Jesus who went in behind the veil and offered a sacrifice to the Lord that set us free from our sin. Hallelujah. It's Old Testament imagery there. Very simply, we got this. Jesus is our hope in the anchor of our souls. Amen? Amen. He is our hope in the anchor of our souls. Good question here. What does an anchor do? What does an anchor do? It stops the craft from drifting, right? It stops the boat, the ship, whatever it is, big or small, from drifting. And it stabilizes the craft in a storm. And Jesus is the anchor of our souls. And when we walk in proper fellowship with Jesus, and we live and walk in truth and righteousness. He stops us from drifting spiritually. And he stabilizes us in the storms of life. There's a major headwind out there against the people of God right now. There is a major storm brewing like all the time, spiritually speaking, coming against us. And we need that stabilizing in that ability. Amen? So an anchor stops the craft from drifting and stabilizes the craft in a storm. I ran across something as I was working on this. It's absolutely amazing. Does anybody know what that ship is just by looking at the number on it? It's a USS Missouri. 
called Mighty Mo, World War II era, Korean War, and even in the Gulf War, she was retooled and sent back out. She's been decommissioned now. That ship, battleship, is 900 feet long. 108 feet wide. From her keel to the top mast is 216 feet. And she weighs, when she's fully loaded with all the crew and all the armament and everything, 58,000 tons. She is an absolute behemoth. When that thing fires, it moves the ship around and displaces water. Those 16-inch guns recall four feet and it looks like the biggest 4th of July fireworks display you've ever seen when all those guns are going off. It is absolutely amazing. But how do you anchor a ship that size? And you can see on the front, the anchor's right there. It's got two of them. 15 tons apiece. One on each side. You want to guess how long the chains are, the anchor chains? A thousand and eighty feet each. And they weigh over a hundred tons, just the chain. They're massive. When you anchor that ship, it's not just the anchor, but it's also the weight of the chains. They let down the anchor and then they kind of back up on it and let it dig into the floor of the ocean. But what holds the ship and stabilizes it and keeps it from drifting is the weight of all of those chains that they let out. It is the anchoring system. Not just the anchor, but the anchoring system. All the chains. I could bring in a 25-foot log chain in here this morning. I get John on one end and me on the other. And we pull it out and stretch it out, we can do it fine. Let's say it's 25 foot. But if you add 25 more foot to it, we could probably still pull it and stretch it out, but it'd be a whole lot harder. Imagine adding three or four hundred feet to it. We wouldn't even be able to get it off the ground. It is not just the anchor itself, it's the weight of the anchor that keeps the ship in place and stabilizes it. Why is it that so many Christians who have Jesus as the anchor of their soul so unstable? And why is it that they are drifting? It's because they're not using the anchor and system that the Lord Jesus has given us. It's not just receiving Christ and being born again. It's growing in Christ. We add weight to our life. We add chain, if you will, to our life spiritually when we are disciplined and staying in the Word of God and we're taking in the Word and we become knowledgeable of the Word and of the truth. We add spiritual weight to our lives. When we develop the discipline of prayer and we're in communication with the Lord and He is directing our lives, it adds weight to our life. When we are consistent at church and we stay in with our church family, under the authority of the Word, we add spiritual weight to our lives. And we can serve the Lord and we worship Him. We add weight to our lives. So when the storms of this life come against us, we are fitted with the anchor and the anchoring system 
that stabilizes us and gives us victory in Jesus. Amen. Bibles that belong to believers who are coming apart belong to believers who are not coming apart, Amen. who are stable Amen. in the storm. I have never walked through a crisis with a Christian family if they are deep and they are disciplined. They go through it way better than other people who are not disciplined. Why? Because we not only need Jesus, but we've got to have proper fellowship with Jesus. We've got to have that spiritual weight and that spiritual blessing in our lives. Hallelujah. Where do we find refuge? We find refuge in the promises of God. God's promises. In God's Christ. Amen. Yes. And we find refuge in God's anchor. Are you walking in truth? Josh said it beautifully last week. We've got to trust the Lord. We've got to acknowledge the Lord. We've got to fear the Lord. The big fundamental. We never get away from the, the simple disciplines of our faith. And when we continue in those disciplines, it empowers us. It stabilizes us. It blesses us. Amen. Amen. So, when you leave off the Word, you're weakening yourself. When you leave off consistency in church, you're weakening yourself. Amen. When you get out of your prayer routine and your prayer discipline, you are weakening yourself. Amen. Then the next thing you know, here comes the storm. And you're all over the place. We need to find refuge in Christ and His anchor and system. Amen. Yes. And His discipline. Yes. Let's bow before the Lord this morning.